Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, author, radio personality, and professor of jazz history at Loyola Marymount, Los Angeles. Eddie Becton. Hey, what you drinking? I'll tell you, if you are listening to this and you are hearing some of these these names for the first time, You need to hit Google or ask Siri or somebody because this guy is hitting all of the iconic foundational elements of jazz music. I mean, Duke Ellington, uh, you talk about Charlie Mingus. I mean, this is an education. (laughs) Can I tell an anecdote about Marcus Miller? Please do. Hey, man, I was writing for All About Jazz and I've always dug Marcus Miller. Bad cat. And I called up his publishers, B.B. Green, wonderful spirit. B.B. is off the hook. And uh, I tell her, you know, I'm Eddie Beckham, I'm writing for All About Jazz. I'd love to interview Marcus Miller, blah, 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 blah. And this happened like really quickly, probably over the course of a day or so. And we confirmed the date and all that. And Marcus reaches out to me and says, and, and not B.B., Marcus reaches out to me and says, hey, man, come over to the studio. He had uh, a studio in the Santa Monica area. And uh, it was on a Saturday, I think it was. He said, come over, 12 o'clock. He says, I have a recording session between 2 and 3, you know, when everybody gets here. But I'm kind of anticipating around 2 or 3, blah, blah, First of all, I'm just amazed that dude <laughs> let me come to his recording studio. I get there and one-on-one, no handlers, no musician, nobody. One-on-one. Marcus Miller and I, I just talk about music. I'm doing this interview, right? I was always mindful of, you know how it is, musicians' time, that's money. After an hour, I say, Mr. Miller, you know, hours up. I appreciate your time. He looks at me. He's like, hey, man, let's keep rolling. And we keep going until everybody's here. And that's like a side note for people who do qualitative interviews and things like that. Always be over-prepared than oh. under-prepared. So you may have your nice little protocol of questions, 
but always be prepared. You might have your, uh, what we call the grand tour question, and that may lead into a different direction. So I was prepared, blown away, but still prepared. So I'm like, Mr. Miller, I'm not trying to infringe on your time. And he's like, no, it's cool. Marcus Miller is, in my opinion, in my experience, one of the most generous cats I've ever met. And I'm not talking about just musically. I mean, period. Someone who has a, a lot of demands on his time. And the cat was just so giving. Just about a little over two hours, man. Wow. I have one wow. more anecdote, man. I'm sorry. One man, more. No, this no. about Herbie Hancock. At the time, I lived in Dayton, Ohio, 1984. Jesse Jackson was running for president. He had a rally in Dayton, Ohio. And you know how it is. Jesse Jackson announces, I want to acknowledge, you know, Herbie Hancock's father is in the audience. Da, 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 da. Jesse gives a speech. After the speech, everybody literally flies to Jesse Jackson. Why they're doing that? I'm flying to Herbie Hancock's father. <laughs> so now there's nobody to interrupt me. And I walk up to him, you know, Mr. Hancock, it's a pleasure to meet you. I literally grew up listening to your son's music, da, 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 da. And he says, why are you thanking me? I swear this bird baby. Why are you thanking me? I didn't do nothing. And I said, Mr. Hancock, in all fairness and respect, without you and Mrs. Hancock, we would not have had Herbie. And he says, young man, you all right. <laughs> Fast forward that. That was like 84, I think. Fast forward to that, like probably 90-something. So again, between the radio program I was on and the All About Jazz, the print version, the Playboy Jazz Festival, every year they would have these press parties at the Playboy Mansion. So only the musicians and people from the press would get invited to these parties. Parties going on, blah, 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 blah. I see Herbie Hancock with that year, uh, that particular year he was performing. I do a beeline up to Herbie. So remember, we're talking about at a minimum, Galen, a minimum 10 years, if not more, probably 15, 20 years. Who knows? Had passed between my initial encounter with his father. But it was the first time I saw him to tell him that story. So he and I are talking. I said, Mr. Hancock, I still, you know, call folk. I'm still respectful. Mr. Hancock, I have to tell you about an encounter I had with your father back in 84. And so I tell him about that. His father saying, well, why are you thanking me? I didn't know. And he burst out this laugh. And he's like, man, that sounds so much like my father. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. But just the anecdote. You know, we talk about Ahmad Jamal, one of the generous cats. Ahmad Jamal, he actually performed in L.A., I think about, what, maybe three or four years ago at the Sheldon. And he actually remembered me from probably 10 years prior interviewing him in L.A. So when he was in St. Louis, I got like a backstage pass. And so I'm walking up to him and he says, Eddie Benton, man, what you doing in St. Louis? And his memory is impossible. This dude remembered me after like 10 years or so from L.A. And we start talking to the point where his pup was like, uh, Mr. Beck, we have some other people. <laughs> and mom, we kept talking. And his, his pup was like, y'all got to hurry this up. I'm telling you, Gaylord. I'll tell you someone else that I literally just got turned on to. This isn't more than three days, three days old. And I saw this documentary uh, on this guy and I had to go look at a look up his music. But Lee Morgan, 
<laughs> Talk to me a little bit about Lee Morgan because a little bit of the story that I learned that this cat was playing with Dizzy Gillespie when he was 16 years old and just the story behind his life and then to be killed at 33. Tell me a little bit about Lee Morgan. So for the listeners out there, Galen and I, we're on Zoom. So we can see each other, but you know, by the time this goes out on the on the podcast, you will not be able to see either his facial expressions slash, you know, nonverbal communication or mine, which is a shortcoming. Because if they did, I literally popped out of my seat and ran to the other side of my living room and came back because when you said Lee Morgan, man, Lee Morgan is one of my all-time favorites. A fascinating story. Mm. And like you referred to. Here's a cat man, you know, the proverbial world was his oyster. With Helen, when Helen shot him outside of slugs, I think it was, what, 72, uh, I think it was, the world lost, not not just Philadelphia. I think he's from uh, uh, Northtown or something like that. Uh, but Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, the United States, the world lost a beautiful flower in the process of being fully bloomed. And I don't know if that metaphor makes sense, but that's how I look at it. This cat, the flip side of it is, especially for the listener, is not how long you hear as much as it is what do you do during the time that you're here. Oh, my and God. During the time wait, wait, wait. Morgan slow down. Slow down. Back up. You need to say that one more time. All right. When I think about Morgan, I think about it's not necessarily how long you're here. That's not as important as what you do while you're here. So in terms of his professional, as a musician, his professional life was very, very short. Now, he died at what? 33. But he wasn't a professional musician for 33 years, right? So that is to say, his professional life was much shorter. But during that time, his impact was astronomical. So when we think about the people not only him as a leader, but as a sideman, his discography is mind-boggling for the time that he was here. So, you know, your listeners who are particularly involved in leadership, encourage the folks who are listening to your presentation, encourage them to think about, we don't know how long we're going to be here. Lee Morgan, man, I have the utmost love and respect. I have just about every album he's ever made because I was kind of, I wouldn't describe myself as an iconoclast or anything like that, but when people are, you know, singing the graces of Miles, and Miles is one of my all time favorite musicians, I'm like, Miles is cool. Don't y'all sleep on Lee Morgan. The whole time I was, I was watching that biography on Lee Morgan, I kept wondering. If I had gotten a hold of Lee Morgan before Miles, would Miles, would Lee Morgan be my dude? He was just that wow. finished at 16. That's a very interesting question. You know, I, I never get into like comparing when people ask, who's the best trumpeter? I'm like, to me, that is like sophomore. I don't entertain that nonsense. I can't say what really spoke to me about Lee. Lee could play a line. And that one line can make you cry. And the very next line can make you smile. Now, Miles, I think Miles is able to do that too. But what, what I like about Lee in particular, that blues bass, right? That kind of 
cornbread mm. and gravy and black eyed peas kind Uh-oh. of experience that Look he pulled you. out of the you know, out of his music. Right? Remember, I told you <laughs> where my, my ancestors came from. <laughs> Southern. Right? So I love the way Lee did that. I don't think either one of them is better than the other because if you're talking about like hard-hitting beats, having a, a sense of the patterns or the future or the changes and the progression of music, Miles was able to do that, obviously, because his musical career was a lot longer. But I think Miles had that sensibility of, hey, yeah, I know I'm good, but I'm going to surround myself with musicians who could teach me something. One of the questions I asked Marcus Miller, I say, hey, man, yeah, I am absolutely sure that you learned a lot from Miles Davis. What did Miles Davis learn from you? And Marcus Miller says, he said, damn, man, nobody's ever asked me that. And then so he goes on to tell me, and I didn't know the story until Marcus said it. He went on to tell me, he said, when Miles, and I put it in quotes, came back, right? So when Miles did a mandala, side note, encourage people to read mm-hmm. in general. But if you're a music fan, read the album, read the liner notes. And I did those like since I was a kid. So Marcus says, when they did Tutu, Miles said to him, hey, man, thanks for helping me, you know, resurrecting my career. And Marcus Miller's like, what the hell are you talking about? You're Miles Davis, you ain't resurrecting your career. And he went on and explained. He said, look, Miles was telling him, and if you look at the liner notes from Tutu, you'll see that Marcus Miller like, did quite a bit of that. That's what Miles was referring to for Miles to tell him, you were, you meaning Marcus, you were the conduit to helping me get my voice out there, so to speak. Uh, he said, man, what bigger compliment from Miles Davis? Miles Davis telling you, thank you for resurrecting my career or, you know, helping me put my voice out there again. Going back to Lee Morgan, have you seen that? Uh, it's called, uh, I called him Morgan. Yeah, that's what I, that's okay. what I checked out. Okay, yeah, fascinating. It's such a, that's like kind of my background. In terms of one of my areas, uh, academically, qualitative interviews and structured interviews. So, man, I was crushed to not be able to hear the rest of the story, you know, because Helen passed away. Because I kept waiting, this this begs a follow-up, which she was actually ready to do and wanted to do. But man, I was like, oh man, another chapter of Lee Morgan's life and her life too, that I won't be able to read. You know what I mean? But yeah, man, I love me some Lee Morgan. I'm really fond of of saying when I try to describe the connection between whiskey, jazz, and leadership, because a lot uh-huh. of people don't appreciate how they connect. I get it, man. Mind. I get it. But the thing that I appreciate about jazz metaphorically, I love it literally, but metaphorically, mm-hmm. I love this idea of getting from here to there right, with right. no real rules. There are guidelines, there are guardrails, there are things that you've got to adhere to, but there, there's latitude. As long right. as you get from here to yeah, there, yeah. We, you know, I had a conversation with Craig Holiday Haynes. I would just love to get from you your thoughts about this, this idea of freedom within a framework, how jazz is, is almost metaphoric to how uh, many people live lives. 
and especially those who are successful, there's, it's really usually not a straight line. There's some jazz from where, uh, where you are to where you want to be. So for a few minutes, just talk a little bit about how that yeah. fits for you. I appreciate that question. I love that question, man, because it makes me think about you know, one of the foundational tenets of jazz. That's why I said for people who don't get it, when we talk about whiskey or leadership, whiskey and jazz, let me help you see that connection. To me, it's a very clear connection. Improvisational nature of jazz, right? Theoretically, that's, that's like the foundation of what jazz is all about. Jazz is, to me, a metaphor for life. So you may have your arrangements nice and clear on the sheet, all right? We're going to play this scale. We're going to do this in a B flat, da 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 but life, as you know, sometimes you've got to tear that paper up. These arrangements are not working for me. So I have to adjust to the current milieu. So whether that is you got kids and now they're going off to college, now you got to adjust your budget, or whether or not you went through a divorce, whatever the situation, whether they be favorable or not so favorable, the bottom line is you adjust to the situation you're in. So as a jazz musician, you're in a club and you and the band, y'all are just, you know, in the pocket, as they say. And somebody in the back, you know, there's like conversation and they keep talking. How do you adjust to that? How do you adjust to it if you like Art Blakey and all of a sudden, you know, something happens with your snare drum and it bursts? What do you do? You compensate. Mm. That's what jazz to me is all about. Now, what's the connection between that? How do you make that connection? And leadership. Well, I dare say, if we look at band leaders, and I, I dare say, this is not germane to just jazz, but we're talking about jazz. Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Eric Dolphy, whomever, when they served as band leaders, they also had to adjust to the nuances of their, the personalities of their respective bandmates. Right. And I'm sure you, you've heard about that, that anecdote where um, when Coltrane was playing with Miles. And as you know, Coltrane used to do these epic solos. So for the list, listeners, it'd be like, yay, that's off the hook. As a band leader, it's like, how do you manage that? And so the anecdote was Coltrane said something. I don't, this is not a direct quote, but Coltrane's like, you know, I go into the zone. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I go into the zone and I just can't seem to stop, you know. And Miles Davis said, take your saxophone out your mouth. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, shut up. So that is what a leader does. A leader to me. Now, this is your lane more so than me, but, you know, I've been an educator for a long, long time. You know the theory and the praxis of leadership. So you can ascertain whether or not I'm on point with this. To me, a good leader, an effective, not necessarily good, but an effective leader, However you define what effect, whatever the parameters are, however you operationalize effectiveness. It seems to me whether you are a baseball coach, a teacher, a doctor, whomever, a good leader is one who is able to get the best out of her or his staff members or associates. So in other words, uh, let's say I'm a band leader and Galen, he's my number one trumpet player. And, you know, we've got Billy Higgins, may he rest in peace, he's on drum. So the methods and approach 
for me to get the best. I remember I'm a band lead to get the best out of you is going to be different Mm -hmm. from the one that I get out of Billy. Not only because the obvious that you are playing different instruments, but most importantly, your personalities may be different. So you may be the type of say, hey, Galen, man, you know how many mistakes you made in that last set? Get that together. And so you might be the type, all right, I got it, Eddie, my bad. I go to Billy, hey, man, you know how many mistakes you made in the last, da, 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 da. And he'd be like, man, forget you. So the point is, when you, in terms of leadership, I would think that an effective leader, you understand the nuances of your team and you understand what works for each of them. And you understand what motivates each one. Some of your team members, they may be motivated by, hey, I'm going to get it promoted and I'm going to get more money. There's some who may be motivated. I don't care about money and status. I want to, I, I just want to hear my supervisor say, Eddie, good job. And that's enough for them. But I think a, an effective leader is able to tap in each person's abilities. And not only that, there's a very, very seminal piece of that. Get the best out of them. So an excellent leader to me is one, if you have a full team and you're able to tap into everybody, you bring out everybody's strengths. So for me, effective leadership is a good manager of personalities more so than tasks, Mm. than duties. That's it. That is it. I'll tell you, this has been an incredible conversation. This has been an incredible education about jazz at the deepest level. I feel a little better now because I, you know, I got a couple comments during the break that, you know, Galen, you hit the leadership pretty hard. I, I respect your whiskey game, but come on now. We need some jazz. I think we're delivering on that now. I think we're delivering on that. So with, with that, you know, I, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you stepping in and sharing so much uh, with us. And so with that, raise your glass. Raise your glass. Let's ah, toast you out. Let's toast out. <laughs> Cheers. Until the next time, man, may, may you always play on the right side of the scales. Cheers. I appreciate it. Galen, cheers, brother. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.